The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so excited for today's episode with Colton Underwood. I realized I didn't really introduce him, but Colton was a former professional football player. And then he joined the Bachelorette on Becca's season. That was the 14th season of The Bachelorette. And then he was the lead of The Bachelor. And he is the first Bachelor lead to in history to come out as gay. Colton dealt with a lot of mental health issues after coming out. He was kind of forced out of the closet and blackmailed by someone who took a picture of him at a gay sauna and really just an awful way to be outed. No one should be outed before they're ready. And he, you know, did some things that he regrets afterwards with Cassie, the girl that he chose to be his, you know, his choice of The Bachelor. He obviously, you know, went through a lot of therapy and got the help he needed. And now he is very much a changed person and he is involved with charity and he is married to a wonderful man and he is now going through a fertility journey and just released his new podcast called daddyhood. So I hope that you give him a chance, you know, no one's perfect. And he has definitely made some mistakes before he really knew who he was and became his true self. And I think we can all relate to doing things that, we're not proud of in our past. And I think it's a sign of growth and just, you know, some of the things that I did before I got sober were, were beyond. So I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on him and on the episode. And before we get into it, I'm just going to answer a few of your questions and, or address topics that you wanted, and then we'll get right into it. So this person said, I recently had a conversation with my ex-boyfriend about why he decided to end things. And his primary reason was that he is envious of the qualities that I have, aka being hardworking, disciplined, healthy. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the concept of men being intimidated by women and wanting to date women who make them feel good about themselves as they are, even if they have qualities or habits that aren't the best. You know what my first instinct was here was to say that this is a BS excuse. And he's kind of being like, oh, you know, it's like when you go to an interview and there's like and they're like, what are your weak weaknesses? And you're like, oh, I'm too organized. You know, like this is giving me that energy where this guy is saying you had too many great qualities that I was intimidated. I don't really feel like guys are often intimidated by women. And if they do say that they are intimidated, they're using it as an excuse to let the woman down easily, or they're really insecure. And that's not the kind of guy you want to be with anyway. I think that boys might be like that, but men think that hardworking, disciplined and healthy women are amazing and such a turn on. I think that a man who is not happy with himself and not secure enough with himself would of course be put off by someone who is, but a real man and a great man that you'd want to be with wouldn't feel that way. But, you know, I think that's with anyone. Like if I were really insecure, I don't know that I would want some guy who was like amazing at working out if I couldn't bring myself to the gym, you know? 
So I think that's more individualized than like all men are intimidated by X, Y, and Z. This person said, what is so in love slash head over heels love? Can you love your partner and not be obsessed? I will say that in the first few years, like in the honeymoon period of your relationship, you should absolutely be obsessed. After that, it's not like you stop being obsessed, but it's like the obsession ebbs and flows. There are going to be days where they're obsessed with you and you're like, okay, where you're obsessed with them and they're like, okay, you know, but it's not going to be this consistent obsession all the time. Obviously you love them and they're your favorite person. And when you talk about them, you light up, et cetera, but you're not going to be obsessed with them every single moment. That's just what happens in relationships. It starts to ebb and flow. And that is so healthy. So don't expect to be just like in this blissful obsession period all the time. I think if you're so in love and head over heels love, you're still ebbing and flowing with that love. It's never going to be 100% consistent. And that is so normal. This person said 50 new matches on Hinge, but none are starting the conversation. What gives? And this is a girl who submitted this. Girl, start the conversation yourself. Like, what are you doing? I used to start the conversation on Hinge all the time. It doesn't matter who starts the conversation. It matters who takes the conversation to a date. Someone said, can you talk about jealousy and creating openness in the relationship? So interesting. We talk about that on today's episode and just how gay relationships do it so much better than I do in straight relationships or many people do, right? Because there is not openness. And there is not the default of, okay, it's normal to have thoughts outside your relationship and it's something we can talk about and we can figure out. But instead it's like, it's not normal and you better not. And I think the real way to create openness in a relationship is to have these difficult conversations and then jealousy wouldn't be as much of a thing because it's like you're giving them a lot of rope as opposed to keeping them on a tight leash. And that is when people act out the most. So I would say having open conversations and not being afraid to give someone more slack in your relationship actually does the opposite of what you're thinking it does. And it makes them not only want to be more loyal to you, but want to be more open about their thoughts and feelings because it creates a non-judgmental environment. So I think that is so, so important to kind of just think about in your relationship. And I've been asked this question. I actually meant to ask Colton this, but I forgot. But the Travis Kelsey behavior at the Super Bowl, him yelling at his coach. Here's the thing. You know, I've heard toxic masculinity and this thing and that thing. And, you know, him yelling is like an abusive thing and this and that. Listen, he has had this relationship with his coach for years. They've been working together. I don't think that there is actual animosity between them. I think it was a very clear heat of the moment thing where he was like, you took me out of the game. Can you put me back in the game? Because it's important that I do X, Y, and Z. It's the Super Bowl. And I really want to help with the play. You know, again, I don't know exactly what he was saying, but I think it was clearly he let his emotions get the best of him and you should never yell in someone's face. And it sucks that that was on camera. But I think we've also seen Travis Kelsey and 
the normal setting of being on his podcast with his brother and being like a good person and son and seemingly good boyfriend to our girl Taylor. So I personally don't worry about this. I don't think it's a deal breaker. Is it a red flag to have like some anger? Yeah, it is. But it's also when you're playing a very heated sports game, there's a lot of testosterone in the air and people get frustrated and they yell. Is it the best way to handle your emotions? No, obviously it's not. And you should never yell at someone. You should never get in someone's face. But I've never been in the Super Bowl and then get gotten pulled out when I felt like I should have stayed in and had a lot to contribute to my team and maybe had a loss of control because I felt like I couldn't do anything to help my team. And you know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know. And if you think I'm so wrong about that, please slide into my DMs and we'll talk about it. And I'm open to being proven wrong. I just don't think that it's that big of a deal. I don't think it's indicative of how he's going to treat Taylor uh, or someone in a relationship at all. I just think that it's an unfortunate kind of meltdowny moment that we caught and no, like I, I, sometimes it happens to the best of us and it shouldn't happen at all. Obviously that's the ideal, but nobody's perfect. And this is the last one I'll answer. Someone said, are most men always mid at sex or do they get better after like age 23. I think that the majority of men are mid at sex, but there are a handful of guys who are really good at it and really care about it. And when you're in a long-term relationship, your partner should be getting better at it every time. And if they're like very passively having sex with you and they're not trying to go out of their way to make sure that you are pleasured and happy, then that is a red flag. I don't expect, you know, 24, 25 year olds to be like sex gods. Um, But as men get closer to 30, they should have the experience and the confidence to be good lovers. And I'd hope that you get to experience that. But yeah, I will say the majority are probably mid. Men should just try harder with that and a lot of other things. Anyway, I'm really excited for you to hear Colton and I can't wait to hear all of your thoughts. Do you ever have relationship doubts that feel overwhelming and no matter what you do, you can't seem to work through them? I've talked about before, there's some people who just have doubts and some people who don't have doubts. Maybe you constantly ask your partner for reassurance or you try to reassure yourself, but the distressing questions about your compatibility, your connection, or your attraction to each other just won't go away. This could be a type of OCD called relationship OCD or ROCD, which we've talked about in past episodes. And when it's left untreated, it can really affect your relationships and your quality of life. NOCD is making specialized treatment for this more accessible than ever. NOCD provides effective, affordable, and convenient virtual OCD therapy that can help you feel more secure in your relationship and other areas of your life too. You can do live face-to-face sessions over video with a licensed therapist trained in exposure and response prevention, ERP therapy, the gold standard treatment for OCD. And NOCD accepts many major insurance plans to make treatment more affordable. 
To learn more about therapy with NOCD, go to NOCD.com and schedule a 15-minute call with their team for free. That's NOCD.com to learn more and book a free 15-minute call. Definitely check it out. If this is something that you relate to, you're not alone. You just go to NOCD.com and you can schedule the free 15-minute call and get the help that you need. We're finally starting to have visitors in the apartment over to see Zachary and to meet him. And I cannot tell you how sweet everyone's been. First of all, following the rules and wearing masks and washing their hands. But second of all, about Zachary's nursery. It's so, so sweet. We worked really hard. We worked with an amazing designer named Jennifer Hunter if you are looking for someone to decorate your place. And we were so lucky to find the best pieces on article. We have the moon gold floor lamp. We have two of those that kind of surround his bed. And we got this, it's called the Lana Ivory Sheepskin Throw, which is amazing for kids for tummy time. We also got the Charlo basket set, which is kind of like a hamper situation, but a chic camper, which is great for a nursery. And we also have this rug that we've now had for like two years, the pearl blue Bovi rug from Article. And I can't tell you how amazing the stuff is. I am just a huge fan of this company. I think they make incredible furniture. They believe in delightful design for every home. They have an online only model And they offer fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. You know exactly when your stuff is being delivered. It is so much attention to detail and they're just incredible. So we're offering our listeners $50 off their first purchase of $100 or more. And to claim it, you just visit article.com slash Acme and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash Acme for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Hey girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all. But then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so excited to be here with Colton Underwood. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. First of all, before we even get into it, your skincare, your skin is oh, amazing. Like <laughs> what you. is the routine? Happiness. <laughs> no, it's so cheesy. I don't know. I, I feel like being in LA, my yeah. skin's been much better yeah. when I get sunshine. No, it's it's really it, good. So. It's funny. I was just talking to my husband because he like He's like one of the CVS skincare guys. Got it. Got it. And I was like, we need to transition you because he's like, my skin's breaking out. Like, and I'm like, yeah, well, you use like a four in one shampoo, conditioner, face wash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I learned so for, I, even I knew that was probably one of the first right. things I should have been like, yeah, you're totally gay. I was I got <laughs> out of I told my parents, I was like, I need shampoo, conditioner and body wash all to be separate. Uh-huh. The signs are there. Um, I love it. Um, Okay, so before we get into it, what is your favorite romantic gesture? Ooh, 
Well, first, are we talking like love languages here? Because kind of okay. more for like someone to do for you than yeah. you to do for someone. I'm definitely an acts of service. I, I receive. I like receiving acts of service and gifts. Mm-hmm. Sort of, and it doesn't like by gifts. I don't need like an expensive one. I just need to know that you were thinking of me. Yeah. So those are like my two. And then I like giving physical touch and quality time. Mm-hmm. And then my partner, which works out good, he needs physical touch and quality time as Perfect. well as words of affirmation. So those are the ones that I like to do. I love planning trips and like just, and that's what I'm doing for him when I get back because mm-hmm. I'm missing him on Valentine's Day. Aww. But when I get back, I'll, I'm taking him on the trip. That's so cute. Yeah. Speaking of your partner, even though I know, but for anyone who doesn't know, what's your current relationship status? Married. Um, a lot has changed over like the last few years. And, and one thing you know, for me, after I came out, I was like, I'm just going to date around and like keep it relaxed. And then like within months, I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. Like, how funny is this? I like was seeking a relationship to get engaged. And then like the one time I was like, I don't need it. And right. I'm like married within months. Of course, that always happens. Yeah. It's like that annoying thing that, you know, your married friends tell you like when you're not looking, you'll find it. I've, I w- I've experienced it. But so. it's true. It's yeah. true. Yeah. And how did you guys meet? Because like you to the world were newly out, but to yeah. yourself, I'm sure it wasn't feeling the same way. No, we had we had been dating secretly and privately. I don't say secretly, but privately mm-hmm. um, for a while. After my Netflix rap party, we were at the same party. And then I just remember being like, oh, he's cute. And what's his deal? And then two months later, we're on the same trip to Cape Cod in Provincetown. And we hit it off. And then I was going out for some press for the Netflix stuff and pickups. And I just remember going out of my way to like see him as secretly as and privately as I possibly could. That's really cute. And so we're into astrology over here on this podcast. You're an Aquarius. I am an Aquarius. And he, if I stalked correctly, is a Sag. Yes. December 3rd. I love it. Do you feel like a real Aquarius? Because usually it takes Aquarians a long time to settle down. Like usually I feel like most Aquarius men are like, like savor their independence very Mm. long. I think what's beautiful and why we, we worked so well together is he enabled me and like still even to this day to be independent in the most, in the best way. Mm -hmm. He does not want to be a part of my like professional world. He helps behind the scenes and like, is uh, so supportive and so great. I think it's so healthy. Like coming out of the sh- out of the bachelor world where it's like all of a sudden, you know, once you leave the show, you're sort of branded as the power couple and you have to m- move together and everything you do is together or else there's so like a true. rumor of a split. Oh yeah. You know, like Jordan and I don't walk carpets together. You right. know, we will take photos together at events, but like we're not we don't want to like throw it in anybody's faces. We like to be mm-hmm. private. So I think that's why it worked. But then also, I mean, I put in a lot of whether, you know, the show taught me a lot about what I wanted out of a partner. And I still got to apply that just to a man, not a woman. So I put in a lot of work of figuring out what I wanted out of a partner. That's a really good way of looking at it. Like it wasn't a waste of time. You still learned like all dating experiences in general. Yeah. Are a lesson. Yeah. The bachelor world really taught me how to date with intent. Mm-hmm. And I took a lot from that show. Like, it, like I really, there, there is definitely a lot of positives that came from it, just as far as like how it, it shaped me and, yeah. and, and the way that I dated and asked questions. Do you still watch like I other don't. seasons? Yeah. No. And I, and like, I, I think, you know, my, like 
we've moved on and we've healed our relationships and they were kind and invited me to Jerry's wedding, but I, I had another obligation that I had to go to that weekend. But, um, I think they're doing really well with the golden bachelor. I haven't followed, but I, I obviously saw the success and I thought it was so cool and innovative and it was what the franchise needed. Totally. Um, no, really smart. I mean, now watching, cause I am like a new bachelor watcher and now watching Joey's season, I'm like, Oh yeah. my God, this is awful. And like, so catty and just like yeah. these people are crazy like i miss my my ladies like my yeah. my golden ladies right well I, I saw they announced the golden bachelorette correct yeah but did so. they say who it was no 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 okay. i just know that yeah, they, yeah it's it worked coming. for them it's coming i mean you knew that was coming i, I don't think of that course, shocked of anybody course. but no i don't watch but i i obviously have social media and pay attention to the media so like yeah, i yeah. see how things are going for sure going back to your relationship with jordan yeah. because you had like newly come out was there any hesitancy on his end to be like, Colton, like, what if you still have so much to get out of your system? And like, I am just like, you know, the stepping stone or maybe there's like a term for that. Like the first person you yeah. like, are really like date after you come out. Yeah, no, he I mean, he would be the first to admit that it was scary for him. And a lot of his friends were sort of whether privately saying it or to him at times too, being like, what are you doing? Like he's not like he just came out like he's about to break your heart yeah and it took me a while to like reassure him and just be like this is it like i'm not a grass is greener type person that was not the attitude that i took like him and his family and just like his values and and who he is as a human being was so attractive to me and just like i don't know it just was like one of those things like we fit together and we're made for each other mm-hmm and in your story and like your background as a person, you grew up Catholic. Yeah. Where does religion play a role, if at all, in your life or your relationship like today? Yeah. I mean, I'm still very much on my faith journey. I consider myself a Christian man and my relationship with God is between God and I and not in a building or confined to religion like I used to approach it, where it was very structured and organized and I had Bible studies here and I had to read this like... I very much am in a different state of mind, but one that I consider healthier and and my faith is important to me. You know, Jordan knows that and a lot of people who have been with me along this journey have sort of seen and and I've sort of spoke to about this. So yeah, it's it's a work in progress, but it's it's definitely in a healthy healthy spot. Yeah. What advice do you have for others who are coming out in like religious communities, because this is a problem that doesn't seem to be going away as, as like modern as we are, as, as much as people are like, you don't even have to come out today. There are still so many, especially religious communities where, or even just like family dynamics where you still feel like you can't. So do you have any advice for anyone listening that might be in that spot? And I think just find your support system and find the people who you can trust. And coming out is a really slow process, not only with yourself, but just with you, the people you surround yourself with. Religion's hard. I think, you know, looking back, the three main pillars that sort of held me in the closet was religion, sport, and then my desire to want to be a dad and a family man, I just didn't think was possible as a queer man. So I think we still have a lot of work to do in the religious community, but I would just say find people you trust and and talk it through with them. Because once you start, 
that was like once I started explaining to people why I still am a man of faith and like why what I believe in, they were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And this is like calm, like it's just sort of like common sense. Like I don't need to go on Sunday at eleven o'clock, and that's the only time I could speak to God. (laughs) Like I can talk to Him whenever I want to, and I don't only have to talk to Him when I need something. Right. So just like completely reframed how I approached my religion. I love that. I feel like as someone who's sober, I never really like thought about God or like a higher power until getting sober. Right. Yeah. Right. But also now I just like look for it in like the, like if you, if you don't look for it, you're not going to find it type thing. Yeah. But if you're, but if you're only using a higher power four times of help, then that's like not great either, you know? Right. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's like, it's like that phrase that like everyone becomes religious when they're like on a plane with turbulence. <laughs> yeah. I was like, everybody starts praying to somebody uh-huh. when that plane, yeah, uh-huh. when something does not go well. Um, going back to your relationship with Jordan once again, I have had this, one of my favorite guests who came on my podcast is Dan Savage. Do you know him at all or of him? Yes. So he's so cool. And so like just ahead, I feel like I learned so much from him. Yeah. And he is big on the idea of ethical Mm non-monogamy and just how it's been great for the gay community, but also for relationships in general. And like I have tons of gay friends and they every gay couple in my life has a different view on how monogamous or non-monogamous they want to be. And I think it's so fucking cool. Like I wish that my straight friends were more open to just like talking about the possibilities. right? Right. Do you feel like this is something that you would discuss or have discussed with Jordan or going back to, you know, being a Christian? Do you feel like you draw the line at like, you know, I'm gay already, which some people might look at as a sin. I'm not going to take it so far as to be non-monogamous. No, I mean, look, I don't there's not really like lines that I draw with religion anymore Mm -hmm. it's more so just like my own moral compass and like my values and what I want out of a relationship Mm -hmm. I have friends and people who I know that are in non-monogamous relationships and it works for them and like they communicate properly and it it just works you know and going back to your initial question of you know like Jordan basically being like do you still need experiences or like or is this it right um it's definitely come up in conversations that we've had I just, I feel like I would be too jealous of a person to be like, yeah, that's cool. You know, like I couldn't put myself in that position and maybe that's going to change in a year or two. Right. It's, that's, you know, that's part of being in a healthy relationship is being able to have tough conversations and reevaluate things at different like moments in your relationship. We're, you know, three years in now, so I'm not going to say anything's going to change, but just was something that I didn't, you know, I don't feel like we need right now. And also just being in the spotlight, it makes it a little harder to have right. non-monogamous relationships mm-hmm. because people talk and rumors get going. I mean, even if you're in the gay community, that's right. how, how it works. So just a choice right now for me and us to protect our privacy that we really just aren't exploring. But yeah. once again, like, I think that's what's beautiful. One of the beautiful parts about the queer community is that like the independence and also the approach that they take and we take to relationships with it being less possessive right? and more like, I want what's best for you. Mm-hmm. You need X, Y, and Z. Whereas other relationships come in and be like, you are mine. I'm locking it down. You do not need don't this. And this is dare. why you don't need it. Yeah. yeah. I think there's something really cool about that. 
And I'm not against it. And I'm always up for reevaluation. I think that's so cool. And I agree with you. Three years, like it's still very much honeymoon vibes. Yeah. And especially you're going through this journey, which we'll talk about to start a family. Like that's the focus at the moment. Totally. I think, you know, 15 years in, who the hell knows like how anyone's going to be feeling. And I think that should be more normalized in straight relationships too. Like these check-ins, like, hey, are you feeling like... Are you getting what you need from Yeah. Exactly. Totally. I think that's such a fair question that we don't ask a lot. And I think we don't ask it because we're like scared of the answer. Right. Like because you're scared of your partner being like, actually, no, I'm not fulfilled in X, Y, and Z. And I, and I want that. Right. And the bad thing that could happen if you don't have that conversation is they will step out and you will be so hurt yep. when you could have been like, you should step out mm-hmm. and I'm good with it. And like then it's just a whole different reaction to something that you already knew was happening versus something happening behind your back. Totally. Yeah. I think there's a power in that too. So much power. power. Like empowering your partner. Totally. It's like, it's like if you love someone, let them go. And if they come back, like 100%. I have been watching Love Island All-Stars and I love that it's on Hulu. However, Hulu is never up to date with the actual in real time episodes that are airing in the UK. And if you are like me and you have zero patience and you want instant gratification, you need to have ExpressVPN. If you've never heard of ExpressVPN, it is an incredible app where you can connect to any place in the world. So for me, it's London or Docklands or just anywhere in the UK so that I can access the best TV shows like Love Island, which is everyone knows is just better in the UK and get up to date episodes. Plus ExpressVPN sends 100% of my my traffic through their encrypted servers. So my browsing history cannot be seen by anyone. So it's like a super incognito mode that actually works and it works on all my devices. I can use my phone, TV, iPad, computer to browse or download whatever I want without the whole world knowing it. So I use ExpressVPN to be private and I also use it to watch the latest Love Island UK, which is obviously the most important thing to me. So make sure you protect your online activity with the VPN I trust to keep me private. Visit expressvpn.com slash Acme today. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Acme to get a three months extra for free. ExpressVPN.com slash Acme. This next podcast partner has literally been getting me through postpartum with the best meals ever. Green Chef is a meal kit company that makes eating well and cooking so much easier with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or you're just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Each week, you can choose from eight, more than 80 flavor-packed options, including new calorie-smart recipes and wellness bundles. I am personally obsessed with Green Chef. I can't explain to you how little time I have right now between trying to kind of work still and feeding my son every like two to three hours and just running around 
trying to get my new mom life together. But Green Chef makes my life so much easier because I take back the time in the kitchen with dinner in 30 minutes or lunch in 10 minutes. It is so convenient. I don't have to run around Whole Foods looking for just different recipes when I'm still healing from my C-section. And I know that every single thing that I'm making, I know what ingredients go into it. And I know that it is good for me and good for our family. And I want to be eating really well right now because breastfeeding, you know, I'm giving him everything that I eat. So the better I eat, the better he eats, which is amazing. If you haven't tried Green Chef and you want to make your life easier and you want to feel better, go to greenchef.com slash 60 Acme and use code 60 Acme to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash 60 Acme and use code 60 Acme to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. It's an amazing deal. Trust me, try it. Going back to just like growing up and using kind of sports and athleticism, like being someone who was very much involved in the whole toxic masculinity thing. Do you think that that's still very much the case in like sports communities? I know that you are working on this Teams Act, which we'd love to hear about. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think toxic masculinity gets thrown around a little too loosely and recklessly these days. Like it's sort of like a lazy slap tag that people throw on something that's problematic. And I definitely think, you know, I've been guilty of, of certain moments of masculinity problems, including on my fertility journey, which we'll get into. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think sports culture has a long ways to go. It's gotten a little bit better, but it's still really far behind as far as everything else. I think this new generation is doing really, really well at basically being annoyed with the question of like, what's your sexuality? They're like, I mean, one week I like him or one week I like her. Like, what do you mean? Like, they're so sort of bored with like, are you straight or gay? And they're like, oh, I'm bi. Like, I'll figure right. it out later. And I think right. that's so healthy. I would have loved to not label myself until I was ready to like feel those through after puberty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like so often, you know, especially in middle America and growing up in the church is, you know, you're labeled straight from such a young age. And right. it's not really fair to label somebody who hasn't even experienced puberty or like sexual anything yet to like label them as straight. Mm-hmm. So I think this new generation is doing a good job at that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And this team's act. So it yeah. stands for targeting emotional and mental stability. Yeah. And it's really for student athletes. Yeah. I've never been much of like an outspoken political person. Mm-hmm. Obviously my husband is, you know, he's fundraised and does a lot of work with the democratic party and we've had many differences in our relationship of of values and thoughts and political stances and arguments. But because um, your parents are more on the other side, my entire family, for the yeah. most part, and and just the people I grew up with, like those are middle America and like those are my people, those are my roots. And mm-hmm. I've learned a lot from them. And I also feel like now I'm in a position to talk with them and explain to them more about like what what and why they believe in certain things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I basically said to Jordan. When I was on The Bachelor, my foundation was for cystic fibrosis, which is still really important to me. But the secondary illness to cystic fibrosis, which is a terminal illness, is depression and anxiety. Yeah. 
And that's something that was a little bit more true and authentic to my story too. So I, I made the decision to pivot from CF to mental health. And I asked my husband, and I was like, what can I do to have the most impact on people? He's like, you should pass a piece of legislation that protects college athletes. Mm-hmm. And like now I have a bill that's introduced in both the House and the Senate with bipartisan support, which is rare these days, to grant money for universities to use only for mental health resources. So I'm so proud of the TEAMS Act. Um, my foundation has endorsed it with Senator Cory Booker, Senator Bozeman, the NCAA, NAMI, all of these American Psychology Association, all these incredible organizations have have endorsed our bill. And I'm so, so proud of that. That's so awesome. You should be proud of that. I know. It's like real, real change. You know, a lot of people have these foundations where they like donate money here, donate doing this. And like we have the ability now to really like make a difference. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What would like what was helping you when you were dealing with your mental health issues? What was like the greatest help at the time? Reflecting on it now, I, I wasn't getting the right help when mm-hmm. I when I was struggling. I mean, that played out very publicly and it was very bad for not only me, but like my circle and my mm-hmm. friends and my family. Yeah. So I wasn't getting help. And then the medication for me, I was on it for quite some time. I was on Lexapro okay. during my, while my season aired. Yeah. Just because I couldn't, I didn't really know how to deal with the public and the scrutiny and you can't make any decision that like every fan likes on that show. So right. like, you're dealing with it some way, somehow. Uh, and then I started taking Xanax for like sleeping aids mm-hmm. and to help shut my brain off, which just sort of became once again, just a massive bandaid. Right. And I was taking it too much and abusing it. So I definitely now for me, at least I can speak in, and I think medication is for temporary and for a game plan to put together to use, to get you through you know, your recovery plan. Right. But I did during COVID and before I even filmed the Netflix show, as I was coming out to myself, I saw both a therapist and a psychologist three times a week for about two months. That's amazing. Pretty intensive and just got the help that I needed. Yeah. I surrendered my medication. I remember to my family, I moved back to Colorado, moved back in with them, got the help that I needed and then started moving on with my life. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I remember at one point I was seeing a therapist twice a week and it was great. Yeah. It was great. It was very, yeah. I mean, it was sort of just with how everything happened with my story for whatever reason. I had to come out to my my professional team before mm-hmm. I could come out to my family just with like media and legal and I was getting like blackmailed. So it was like, there was just like this part that I had to deal with like backwards a little bit. Yeah. That that was str- a struggle for me. But having a therapist, being able to talk it through with them, I think it's like normally you have your support system and your friends and your family that you could really lean on. And that wasn't the case for me. So having a therapist and a psychologist helped me with like withdrawing from the medicine use and re-examining that was so helpful. Yeah, that's that's so helpful. Yeah. I have one last question, then I want to talk about your fertility journey. What are three things that you wish you had known kind of before becoming a household name? Like if someone were like, if someone found the Colton before people knew, before you were the first Colton that comes up when people Google you, like what would you have said to that person? Mm. I think I would have just explained to him that he's like, you're in your mid twenties and you're still very much figuring yourself out. And also like socially, I was really immature. Yeah, I, I didn't have a social life. Like 
a lot of other people did. Like my mm -hmm. college experience was very much football and academics to like play in the NFL. That was right. like my goal and my dream. And I just like didn't, I didn't date. I didn't have like the silly shit you do when you're in high school. Like I didn't, I didn't have that because I was so focused on sports. So I would just remind myself to be a little bit more patient and that you're behind a little bit. And then two, just, I was trying to make everybody else happy at the expense of my happiness. So I would definitely just remind myself to be a little more conscious, conscious of what served me right. and what, what made me feel good mm -hmm. instead of trying to please people. Yeah. When I was on that show. Yeah. You got to put your seatbelt on first. Yeah. And then I think the third one is just be like, buckle up, mm -hmm. <laughs> get ready for this because there's no putting the genie back in this bottle. Like once it comes out, right. it's out as much, even as, you know, as much as even I pulled back over the last two years of removing myself from like media and not engaging with tabloids and podcasts and stuff like that. There's still moments where I feel a little overwhelmed and mm -hmm. when like paparazzi or like Jordan and I break the breaking news on our relationship with somebody took like a sneaky iPhone pic of us on a beach in Hawaii. It's like, you know, you can't control that. Right. So I can't like, I can't let that, that worry me too much. Yeah. Yeah. How do you stop yourself from like Googling like, and things like that when I'm to a point now where like, I mean, look, I've truly been called everything. I have people who love me. I have people who hate me. I have people who know me pretty well. And I have people who don't know me at all that like right. have their opinions and I just try to stay neutral. My motto is my college coach told me this when I was playing football. My motto is very much like you can never be too high and you can never be too low. So just like even when I get some of the best news in the world, it's like, yeah, but what's next? And right, like trying right. to keep that even keel. Like, of course, I can celebrate little wins here and there, but I just want to like right. stay pretty, pretty even. I love that. But yeah. I you can never be too high and you can never be too low. I'm going to take that with me. Yeah. Let's talk about your new podcast, Daddyhood. Daddyhood. So what made you here. realize how necessary it was to talk about the fertility journey for like a gay couple? Because I feel like I have so many friends going through it and I don't know any podcast talking about it. Well, I mean, the reason why I wanted to do it is because I, I had no help. My agent at CA was the one who helped me assemble my entire fertility team. <laughs> because nobody really talks about this. Yeah. And like, even Google is is tough. And then it's overwhelming and you sort of shut down. And I mean, I'm grateful and fortunate and even privileged to say this, but like, I have like nine people on my team helping me hopefully have a baby this year. And that's a lot of people and a lot yeah. of moving pieces and, and it's really expensive and it's hard and there's a lot of shame around it and nobody nobody's there to help guide you. So I sort of, you know, when I first started this fertility journey with my husband, I was like, how cool would this be to like let people in? And then I remember like the first hurdle we got to, which was me testing my sperm and the doctor basically being like, you don't have any sperm. Like I was like, oh, I can't do this podcast. Like, how am I going to explain? Like, it was like one of those things I, I carried so much shame and like my ego took a hit. And I was like, you're telling me like, I'm a healthy individual. I don't have sperm. And so I was like, I called my team and I was like, never mind, not doing daddyhood. And then a couple of weeks go by and we part, started to put a game plan together. And I was like, you know what? This is why we need this show. Right. Like this is the conversations we should be having because mm -hmm. I was naive enough to say fertility issues are for women. Like that, I mean, that's how the majority of our country thinks because that's all we hear about. And that's the only people who talk about fertility struggles. And 
men don't talk about it too much. So I was like, why not me to start the conversation? Like, let's, yeah. let's talk about why I don't have any sperm and what I'm going to do to try to improve my numbers. Yeah. So. Without revealing too much, like, do you have a plan now for what you can do? And if not, like, you know, would it just be from your husband that you would create this yeah, baby? I go through this all in length on on some of the episodes in Daddyhood mm-hmm. later on. But we put together a plan. And in six months, I basically went through sperm rehabilitation. Whoa, and made I didn't some, know that was a thing. Yeah, made some big lifestyle changes mm-hmm. and bounced back and had great results and numbers and to a place where I got to, I was able to freeze my sperm. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited to hear all about it. I know. And it's just like nobody, but like, even then, you know, you're meeting with doctors and you're dealing with legal paperwork and it's not, it's very clinical. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like someone sits there and tells you basically like, oh, you can't have kids right now. Right. And you're like, all right, on to the next. And I was like, whoa, is somebody going to hold my hand and like yeah. walk me through this? And right. it's not, that's not the case. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it's crazy. And like, I can relate to you kind of thinking that you would have no issue once you started. I thought I would have no issue because of like weird myths. Like I had big hips or so I was like, oh, I will be fine. Like I'm going to get pregnant in two seconds, you know, a year and a half later of IVF. And I have never had more friends going through IVF than I do now. It's more, I would say like eight out of 10 friends of mine who are trying to get pregnant are going through IVF for one reason or another. And some of it is the the man situation whether it's like a gene that a man yeah. has or it's it's not necessarily there hasn't been a sperm like a low sperm count situation but there's been like a sperm not meshing with the egg yeah like which you sperm motility even, yeah I've, I've, i'm by no means a sperm expert <laughs> yeah. but like what i've learned so far is wild like we we are in a fertility crisis right now as a country. 100%. But what, why do you think it is? Because that is so interesting to me. And I'm sure you have a fertility expert coming on to explain. But like, yeah. what is it what we're eating? Like, what is it? It's a mix of, of eating. It's a mix of lifestyle. It's a mix. I mean, all the way down to carrying your cell phone in your front pocket. Yeah, like, it's there's the so plastics, many, the foils. Like what? There's so many different things. Right now, we are trending at a decrease in sperm count by 2% every year. What? Which like is wild. Like, there is, in a way, when you look at this, like we are in the process of going extinct and nobody's talking about it. But it's like, what's the what's the answer to that? Is that freezing your sperm when you're like 20? Is that freezing your eggs when you're like 18? Yeah, I mean, that and in lifestyle choices and change, being able to recognize that certain foods aren't healthy for you, certain lifestyle choices, certain medications, there's mm-hmm. alternative ways that you can go about it, like, exercising more than five times a week actually can have some side effects that are not good. Right. So there's so many different things that go into it. And and I do have a fertility and a, and a sperm expert that comes on and, and talks us all through, you know, what we can do. Right. And it was super helpful to sit down with them. But That's I would have yeah. never known that right. if I didn't start daddyhood. I mean, it's also so expensive. You mentioned like before, yeah. it's insanely expensive. I have a friend who like him and his fiance, they've been engaged forever, but they're not planning to get married because they have to spend that money on the baby. It's like what, 200,000 a kid or something minimum probably. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And then there's rules that like are unspoken that I didn't know, which is that for a gay couple, if you have, let's say one kid with your sperm and the other kid with your husband's sperm, 
you're not allowed to ask which kid has which. Do you, do you know? Do you know? Yeah, I think that's more of a preference. Okay. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, but, but it's like, it is a little bit like mm-hmm. I will say from doing daddyhood and and talking through like I approach the conversation about when are you having kids so much different because it's oh, such so an invasive different. question mm-hmm. that we as a society has become such a normal practice. Totally. Whereas like now, you know, when people would ask us that and it just was such a blow every time because they'd be like, when are you having kids? And I'm like, what is my answer supposed to be when I have sperm? Right, like, right, like it's, exactly. it's such a like, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. So uh-huh. like I always played it off. And for the first time I got to experience half of what a woman experiences when they right. get pressured to be to have to answer that question. Mm-hmm. So it helped me evaluate that a little bit. But yeah, I think that's more of a preference thing. Yeah. And like for us, we just, we always just want a healthy kid. Yeah. And so like the healthiest embryo is what's what we're going to plan on. And look, I'm sure you're going to be able to tell by physical yeah, right. attributes. Like That's it's not, thing. you don't have to be a detective uh-huh. to figure it out. So like figure right. it out. <laughs> but there is so much trust involved in a surrogacy process. I mean, yeah. you are trusting this woman who you probably don't know. Maybe there's a surrogate. Maybe there's like a, oh wait, a, sur- a surrogate and there's an egg, egg right? Donor. And they're, and so egg donor and surrogate usually. are different people. Yeah. Right. So that's two women yeah. that you're trusting blindly. Yeah. It's wild. Which I didn't even occur to me until I had my doctor come on the podcast. And, you know, obviously we had to pay and we have our team going, but like he broke it down in such a way that I didn't even think about. It. He's like, when you have an egg donor, she's my client. Yes, you are my my client, but she's my client too. Right, it's and then business. your surrogate is my client as well. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden, like I have three people who I have to deal with, and then funnel all the information back to you. But yeah, it takes takes a lot of trust. It's those people, it's yeah. wild. Okay, now we're gonna do some fun rapid fire Great. poll questions. Love it. All right. Do you have names, by the way, I picked out? You don't have to share them. But. Yeah, we have a list in our in our phone. Mm-hmm. We have a fun tradition without spoiling anything in my family, we pass the firstborn, the father's first name becomes a middle name for okay. the firstborn. Cute. So yeah, so Very cute. we're going to, we're going to figure out what that, how it complements our, our first name selection. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Do you and your partner watch TV together or does one person watch what they want and the other scrolls on their phone? I oh, know we have, we have shows, mm-hmm. joint decisions. Love it. What are you watching right now? Um, Halo on Paramount Plus. Oh, I've we really like that. Good. For All Mankind on Apple. I it was saw another that, one of our it, shows. Yeah. And then we just it. finished Marvel Marvelous Maisel. Love it. Yes. Okay, let's see. You went on one date, really good vibes, didn't kiss, now traveling for two weeks. How much texting is too much texting? Any texting is too much at the stage, a few texts a day, consistent back and forth, or there's no such thing as too much texting if you're into each other. No such thing as too much texting if you're into each other. Yeah, I agree. There's no rules. I think as soon as you get into rules, you're overthinking it. Interesting because I love my dating rules, but Oh, you do, I do you have think, a structure. No, well, I think that I think that it's it's hard to explain in such a short amount of time. Maybe we'll get into it tomorrow, but I think that for women who date men, rules are a, like structure is a little necessary mm. because straight men are still kind of in the mindset of like, I need to work to get this girl for the most part. You're not wrong. I mean, we're talking about straight men. Yes. Yeah. They're, yeah. 
And they're very simple. So if you follow this thing, <laughs> then it works. They're cavemen. <laughs> Literally. Um, yes. Okay. I understand. Um, is it normal to feel like you have nothing to text your significant other about besides your whereabouts and plan things? In person is obviously different and normal. Yes or no? I mean, I love like when he sends a random, like he'll send random pictures from like memories or like yeah. a funny gif and yeah. put a smile on my face. Yeah. I like a little banter. Yeah. Would you ask the person behind you to put back their seat on a flight if it's a red eye so that like you can and you won't feel bad about it? Um, n No, I would just do my own thing and I mm -hmm. keep to myself when I travel. Mm -hmm. And you'd hope that like the other people would also put theirs down. Yeah. Because like it's a red eye. Be decent. Yeah. Yeah. Etiquette. Yeah. If going to a wedding with your significant other, who pays for the hotel? Both of oh, you both paid for your own flights. Whoever's friend is getting married or do you split evenly? Oh, interesting. I caught a lot of shade on Andy Cohen because he wanted me to get a prenup. But I'm like, once you're married, like our mo money's ours. Like it's we don't really have like a we keep it fair. Like, I'm with you. I actually it is what well, it is. I think prenups are amazing and you should totally have one if you want one. We don't have one. And I have like a similar mindset. Also, you are still protected in the law. Right. For the most part. Yeah. Once I mean, especially once you're yeah, married. Exactly. Yeah. Wait, is Andy Cohen going to come on your podcast? Because he has a cool fertility we're, thing. We're working on it. Okay. Yeah. He Fingers uh, crossed. Just a schedule thing. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah. What is the maximum amount of time you'd spend in jail to not have to watch your significant other have sex with another person? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean... I, I wouldn't want to sleep in jail. So I think I can just like try to find it hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spend my I time would be in jail. Into it I would cheer him on. I would be so, so. into it. Woo, not going yeah, to jail. Yeah, here you go. Uh, non monogamy, Dan Savage. Uh -huh. Here we go. Is it a red flag, no big deal or deal breaker if every time your partner buys you flowers, they're from the grocery store? No, I mean, I live in LA, so like Erewhon's are on every corner. So right. like if they're from Erewhon, then not a problem. And by the way, I'm sure Erewhon flowers are like more expensive than regular flowers. For real. And really nice. Um, but yeah, it's the thought that counts. I know that's mm -hmm. like probably people would roll their eyes, but like I don't, if the flower lasts two days versus two weeks, I don't care. Like yeah, you bought thought. me flowers. I'm with you. But also like if you really want to have different flowers, then say it to the guy. Be Communicate. Like, yeah. Be like, yeah. I think it's so sweet that you always... Think of me to get me yes. flowers. Can they be not from the grocery store? Thank you. Yeah. Jordan hates succulents, so I never get him succulents. There you go. Yeah. Communication. Would you date your third cousin? <laughs> Same great, great grandfather you found out randomly after the first date. Oh, gosh. No. I No. That would be a deal breaker. Yeah, it's too much. It's just too much. Too the, the family tree is getting all sorts mm -hmm. of... of uh, Do you listen clothes. to podcasts on normal speed? 1.25 speed or like double speed 1.25 max yeah. but normal speed yeah, I, yeah 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 i'm with you okay cool this was yeah. so much fun can Thank you leave you. us with a quote or piece of advice oh gosh i should know this because i ask people on mine too so i should have <laughs> came more prepared well you had the quote from your old coach, i i would I definitely like. say like that would definitely be one like just to remind people like you can never be too high and you can never be too low like to try to stay even keel like that's like the celebrate your victories and don't sit on your losses too much. Um, but then I think outside of that, it's just like being selfish for your happiness is not problematic. And I think most people need, I think people need to be reminded that like at times making a selfish, selfish decisions should not, you should not carry a burden for that. Yeah. So. I, I like that. Yeah. 
Where can everyone find you, follow you, and listen to Daddyhood when it comes out? Um, at Colton Underwood on Instagram and at Daddyhood Podcast on Instagram and anywhere podcasts are distributed is where we're going to be. Very cool. Check it out. Thank you. And I can't wait to have you on mine. Yes, me too. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.